Good morning. Welcome to worship. We are delighted that you have joined us here in person, and we are grateful that you have joined us at home on one of your great devices. Technology can be so good. Okay, thank you for those of us in person for wearing our masks and keeping up the good work. I know it's hard to not hug and not sing and all those things that we love, so thank you for that. We need your help with something even mm, not bigger than that. We need your help with something big. As most of you know, each year, in accordance with our book of order, we have an annual meeting. We are required to have it. It is, um, as I said, it's in our book of order, but the government of the PCUSA is representative, which means that you, the people, elect and vote for elders, deacons, shepherding deacons, memorial board, those types of things, and you guys also vote on the terms of call for the pastors. Our bylaws state that we have to have a quorum, which is never a problem for us during normal times. These are not normal times. And we have to come together as one large body in person and via Zoom on January 31st, 9.30 is the goal to have this meeting. So here's what we're gonna do. There's three different options. On, you're going to have to, I'll, we'll announce it again next week. Watch the um, email blast that you get. January 31st, in two weeks, we are only going to be worshiping at 9 a.m. across the way in the sanctuary. So we will work, um, Justin's going to sing a song for us. It'll be a shorter worship, but we will all be together. It'll be really important to register that day because we want to make sure that we can safely distance. And based on the number of people that we have coming at 9, 10, and 11, we have plenty of room in the sanctuary for us to be safe, to worship, and then to start the meeting. Now, if, um, if you forget... <laughs> to come at nine. You can still worship online like you would maybe normally, maybe you have done that during the um, quarantine early days. You would go on our website, you can still worship that way. And then you would jump onto the Zoom call at 9.30. Or you could also even just worship on Zoom and then you're already logged into the meeting. So there's options to you. Thank you for helping us with this really important meeting. It's really how we, um, do our government as this church. It's like it is not the Pastor McConnell show. He doesn't dictate. It's all of us that get to make those rules. So it's really an important obligation and responsibility. All right. While you're marking your calendars, just a couple of other things. Remember that Ash Wednesday is coming up on February 17th. We will have an, a live in-person service over in the sanctuary that um, will be for all of us there, and it will also be live-streamed. Wednesday Night Life continues this week with Pastor Steve's conversations on these great documentaries on 20th century saints. This week, it is on Simone Weil, so you're um, invited to watch the documentary and then come at 6.30 via Zoom for that conversation. Monday, January 18th, tomorrow, the sermon discussion group resumes. It's had a little break, but you can log on Zoom at 10 o'clock and have a conversation with Steve about the sermon for today. And one last thing, if you want to get a jump ahead on the next book that we're going to be discussing as a congregation from our race and the church group, we're going to be reading Cast by Isabel Wilkerson. It is 
an amazing book. It blew the doors wide open, and I've read a lot of those books, so I really commend that to you. Okay, as Justin and the band come out, I just want to, um, really is my pleasure to introduce to you our two newest members, Bonnie and Dennis Gear. Um, they are so happy to be in Florida and to have found Church of the Palms, and we are delighted that they are joining us in our mission to love God and to love neighbor. If you're interested in becoming a member of Church of the Palms, just reach out to Pastor Mingy, and she will get you all connected. I think that's all the announcements for today, so let's worship God. Please stand with us. I was buried beneath my shame Who could carry that kind of weight It was my turn Till I met you I was breathing but not Alive. All my failures I tried to hide. It was my turn to lie near you. You call my name, and I ran out of that grave. Out of the darkness into your glorious day, you called my name and I ran out of that grave. Out of the darkness into your glorious day. Go on, put your hands together. Go. Now your mercy has saved my soul Now your freedom is all that I know The old may do Jesus, when I met you You called my name And I ran out of that grave out of the darkness into your glorious day you called my name and I went out of that grave out of the darkness into your glorious day sin was heavy but chains break at the weight of your glory I needed shelter I was an orphan now you call me citizen of heaven I was broken you were my healing now your love is the air that I'm breathing 
I have a future, my eyes are open Cause when you call my name I ran out of that grave Out of the darkness Into your glorious day You called my name And I ran out of that grave
Justin, and it's so great to have some vocalists back again, Bob and Sherry, now that we're getting some of our screens back, and COVID's been quite the experience for us, hasn't it? Well, we are at that point in our um, worship service where we get to worship God with our offering, and there are four easy ways to give, and for those of us that are worshiping in person, we can even give in the baskets as we leave, but I know you're all very familiar with the giving online and texting and sending in checks, and we are grateful We're grateful for your faithfulness and for your generosity, so thank you. Um, So we are going to move into the prayer time, our our prayers of the people, and we have some uh, lovely mic runners here, and I would like them to introduce themselves, please. My name is Olivia Mason, and I'm a senior at Venice High. What was your name again? Olivia Mason. Excellent. Thank you. (laughs) My name is Jaden Ray, and I'm a junior at Venice High School. So the first thing we're going to do is something different in our prayer concerns today. Um, Emily had mentioned last week that her son, Matthew, was having particular um, sadness and issues because of what COVID has brought on, and he serves in the military. And we just thought as a faith family, it would be really cool if we would send a card or a note um, to him. And you may have seen when you checked in that you could take a picture of his address, but today... I need two people to commit to writing or sending a card to Matthew this week. One from this side of the room that Olivia is going to deliver. And if you could raise your hand. Oh, we got some back here and one here. And we're going to do this for a little bit um, so that we can show him our love from his faith family. So thank you for that. And now I would like to ask how else we could be praying this week. Yeah, oh, and yeah, and raise your hand, and the girls will hand you the mic, and then they'll wipe it off with a, um, yeah, hand it to her, and then we'll wipe it off. Thank you. I just want prayers for the Masick family. They had a loss this past week suddenly of a sister and a daughter. Start that, pray for which family? I didn't hear. Masick. Masick family who had. live in Ohio. Thank you. And friends of yours, and they just had a bout of COVID. Is that what you... Can you, I'm so sorry. I'm really trying to pay attention. I need <laughs> sleep. Someone help me. Okay. They had a sister who passed away. She was 62. It was oh. just suddenly had nothing to do with COVID. And Thank the parents you. are still alive. And they're in their 90s, and it's very difficult for them. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. And yeah, prayers for the Masick family and for that loss. Thank you for... How else can we be praying...
I would ask for prayers for our students who are reaching the end of their second quarter, and it's been stressful. They're behind. You know, I mean, I th not they're not. I'm not saying they're behind, but <laughs> I think it's been disruptive to education um, this mm. last year, and that they just would have great do their best, but be um, gentle with themselves and have grace for the fact that this has not been uh, uh, easy for for anybody academically. So prayers for our kids. Thank you, Sarah. And as we're remembering our students from all the way, all the littles, all the way up really through college and beyond, um, that we'd remember those teachers as well. Um, it's just a big, crazy time that we're in. So thanks, Sarah, for that. Yeah, Jocelyn. I'd just like to pray for our country. We are a nation deeply divided right now. Whether you're a Republican or Democrat, black, white, or Latino, gay or straight, male or female, we are all children of God, and we need to love each other like that. That makes me want to cry. Amen. Thank you. Um, yeah, so a lot of stress out there and a lot of pulling apart, and I think we have a special call as Christians, don't we, about being... Um, the kindness in the world about being the bridge maker and um, thank you for lifting that up. Anything else to pray for on this day? All right. Well, when we um, begin in prayer, we'll have a little bit of silence so that we can confess our sin to God who promises to show up and promises to wipe our slate clean. Let us pray. You have begun to hear, O oh God, just a whisper of the things that we have done and the things that we have left undone. We are sorry, Lord, and we pray for your strength and for your courage and for your wisdom that we, with your help, would make different choices as we move ahead. You've heard many prayers today from the heart of your people, and there are others that are unspoken, and we give those to you as well. We thank you, God, for always listening to us and for never, ever leaving us alone. All this that we ask, spoken aloud and on our hearts, we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. And friends, we know that, you guys can go, it's fine, thank you, um, that Jesus does forgive us. And we know that the good news of the gospel is that we are forgiven and that we are free to love and serve with all the creativity and imagination that God gifts us with. Thanks be to God. Good morning. My name is Steve, and I'm one of the pastors here at Church of the Palms. And um, I want to talk to you a bit about being in a marathon, which I have never been in, uh, but there are some people in this room that have been, 
And uh, there's at least one person in this room who's actually run the Boston Marathon, perhaps the most famous of all marathons. Two people in this room that have, uh, twice, okay. Not that there's a mother that's proud of her daughter, but um, so there's one person who's run the Boston Marathon twice. <clears throat> so she would be able to tell you, Jordan would be able to tell you that <clears throat> there is such a thing in the Boston Marathon called Heartbreak Hill, which comes at about mile 20, uh, which is really the point at which your body feels the most, maybe the most depleted, and that's the point at which you have to start climbing this hill. And it's very difficult, and um, I can only imagine. <clears throat> I feel like a little bit like we are at that point with COVID. We're at Heartbreak Hill. Um, we have been doing this thing for the last 10 months, and we want it to be over, and the finish line is not soon enough. And there's a chance for us to sort of start letting our guard down and starting to think, well, maybe since we've gotten to mile 20, we're, we're pretty much there. But uh, perhaps now, especially when we hear about virulent stream, you know, str streams of this uh, virus coming forward and when we um, you know, think about vaccines coming into the system, that, that now we can perhaps start letting our guard down. But really, right now is the, maybe the most important time for us to be on our guard and to do all that we can to do the best we can to keep each other safe and to take care of each other. So again, we encourage you, masks on nose and face, nose and over nose and mouth, and uh, do your best to keep distance from each other. And because um, we want to keep this building open, we want to keep worship going and all that, but if we, uh, if we start letting our guard down, then it's going to get ourselves into some trouble. So hopefully we can do that, and um, hopefully uh, herd immunity is on its way. Make sure to register so that you come to worship, uh, and we know that you're coming so that we make sure to have the space and room for you and all those good things. So thank you for that public service announcement. We're talking about kindness this month, as Lori mentioned, and we are reflecting upon this fruit of the Spirit. We've been looking at love, joy, peace, and patience the last four months, and now we are looking at the spirit of kindness and wondering about what does that mean for us in our particular day and time. You know, a lot of us think we kind of already got that figured out, you know, well, I'm kind every once in a while, I do this, I do that, you know, I've opened the door for somebody, I help somebody across the street, I, I make sure that somebody goes ahead in line at the grocery store and blah, 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 and it makes us think that maybe kindness is one of those boxes we've already checked off and we can kind of breeze past that and begin looking at some other things. But the truth of the matter is, I think the teaching and the life and the calling of Jesus calls us into exploring the further depths of what kindness is all about. Because Jesus invites us into this abundant life wherein we begin to discover even more the joy and the meaning and the purpose behind these fruit of the Spirit. The prophet Micah rhetorically asks this question, what does the Lord require of you? And the answer is to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with our God. So what does it mean to love kindness? We're going to explore that in the next three weeks and wonder about what is kindness really look like and think through specifically that kindness takes risks Kindness uh, takes time, and kindness often takes what we sometimes don't want to give. We're going to look at those three things over the next three weeks, and today we're going to take a look at four stories of kindness, and the first story we're going to look at is from Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 
20. Hear the word of God. Jesus and the disciples came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately a man out of the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. He lived among the tombs, and no one could restrain him anymore, even with a chain, for he had often been restrained with shackles and chains, but the chains he wrenched apart, and the shackles he broke in pieces, and no one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always howling and bruising himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and bowed down before him and shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he had said to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? He replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now there on the hillside a great herd of swine was feeding, and so the unclean spirits begged him, send us into the swine, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and were drowned in the sea. Swine herds ran off and told in the city and the country, and then the people came to see what had happened, and they came to Jesus and saw the demoniac sitting there clothed and in his right mind, the very man who had had the legion, and they were afraid. Those who had seen what had happened to the demoniac and to the swine reported it. Then they began to beg Jesus to leave their neighborhood, and as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed by demons begged him that he might be with him. Jesus refused and said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and what mercy he's shown you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O oh Lord, that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ, for we pray this in his name. Amen. <clears throat> so there's a lot in the story that I don't know quite what to make of. I know that that's not the kind of sentence with which to start a sermon if a preacher has any hopes of instilling confidence in his or her Listener, but like a lot of the Bible, this is one of those stories that is just so big and so hard to understand. And I don't know what to make of a lot of it, and including, I don't know what to make of this man with this unclean spirit. He appears to be a pretty sick man. We might make him out to be one who has to go to a psychiatrist. Maybe he has some form of mental illness. We might want to even admit him to the hospital so that he could get some help. It's hard to understand what people like this are going through, especially when we have not traveled down the same road as they. It can be a pretty frustrating and mystifying and bewildering experience to walk alongside of such a person, and it can try your patience. It can overwhelm you. Many of you know what I'm talking about. The temptation is to put some distance between us and them because it's just too puzzling, too scary, too maybe even dangerous. So these first century folks send this man up to the tombs and bind him with a chain. Horrifying, 
to our 21st century ears. We have greater hopes that people like this will get better, and, and we know enough to realize that like any other illness, folks who are struggling with mental illness just need the care of professionals, they need patience, they need prayer, and they need for someone to shorten the distance and get involved in their life. But that's hard, and it's uncertain, and it's exhausting, and it has no guarantees. Mental illness is uncharted water that leaves many of us not sure what to make of it. I've got people in my life very dear to me who have wrestled with mental illness for years, and their courage through their struggle is something to behold. Thankfully, they have a community of people who encourage them to find the help they need. We're grateful here at Church of the Palms to have the Samaritan Counseling Center, great mental health counselors who provide hope for healing and for transformation. But absent those kinds of resources, absent a culture that strives to destigmatize mental illness, this first century man is left on his own to face his own demons. Which leads me to the next thing that gives me great wonderment Jesus stepping into the breach. Mark tells us that the disciples and Jesus have drifted across the Sea of Galilee and have made, made landfall in what he calls the country of the Gerasenes. Now, the country of the Gerasenes is foreign territory. It's filled with people that the people of Israel would say are unclean and the Gentiles and the undesirables. What in heaven's name is Jesus doing over there? Much more receptive audiences elsewhere. People like-minded, people like us, people who are more socially acceptable. You're never going to get a movement started, Jesus, up in the tombs with a person not in their right mind. But Jesus stops, gets out of the boat, and allows himself to be confronted by this unwell man. And instead of backing away, as it appears that everyone else has done in his life, shackle him up and leave him to keep hurting himself, Jesus engages. Jesus talks to him. Jesus listens to him. Jesus asks him his name. Jesus takes him seriously. I'm not sure what to make of all that. That's story number one. Story number two, as many of you know, I have a 66-year-old brother who is blind and has never spoken a word in his life. Jimmy is not mentally ill but he is profoundly mentally disabled, lives up in Pennsylvania, where he is cared for by people who have a calling. I think it's a calling from Jesus to surround people like my brother with honor and dignity. When my brothers and I go to visit Jimmy, we usually take him out of where he's staying to a place to eat. And when we get into the restaurant where we have chosen, we are glad sometimes that he can't see because, to be sure, folks are not comfortable with such a different person in their midst. They back away, they stare, they whisper, and we just pray for a waiter who might have some kindness set aside for folks like Jim. It's always something to be whole when someone actually does stop and talks and graciously engages and acknowledges the beauty and wonder of this very different person. I marvel at that, actually, because it's not what necessarily comes natural for most of us, myself included. Story number two. Story number three, one we all know, 
One of the greatest stories ever told, it's been said, the story that Jesus told the lawyer when the lawyer asked Jesus about inheriting eternal life. Jesus boiled the whole thing down to loving God, loving neighbor, our mission statement here at Church of the Palms. And the lawyer, wanting to do a little legal jousting with Jesus, asked him, and who is my neighbor? And that's when Jesus tells him the story about the man who ends up in a ditch, and he's been robbed, and he's been beaten, and he's been left for dead, and there he is. And the question is, who gives a hoot? Who gives a hoot? Not just who gives a hoot, because, I mean, who couldn't give a hoot for a guy who's been so as unlucky as that? But who gives a hoot enough to do something about it? Because to do something is to get involved, and you're never quite sure what you're going to get yourself into when you get involved, and and you don't know what's going to happen as a result of it. Maybe he's a decoy. Maybe there are other robbers who are going to rob you if you don't careful, and oh, by the way, I've got a meeting to get to, and I know there's likely someone less busy than me, less important than me, one of, those, one of those people that doesn't have anything else better to do with their time, someone who has a higher risk tolerance, and lo and behold, as Jesus tells the story, another one of those foreigners walks by, and it's this foreigner, the Samaritan, the half-breed, who somehow gets the kindness bug and takes a plunge into this guy's life. And because his cell phone doesn't get reception, and because other folks don't want to seem to get involved, he ends up having to use his own first aid kit and use his own mule and use his own money to get this man checked out at the emergency room and to use his own credit card when he leaves him at the Hampton Inn to rest and to heal and then to give up the second half of his trip to come back to check to see if he is... Better. Kindness is complicated. Kindness is risky. You never know what you're going to get yourself into when you attempt to be kind. That's story number three. Story number four. It occurs, I think, when I'm five or six years old. My father was flying into the Youngstown Airport up in Youngstown, Ohio, and my mother is going to pick him up in our Chevy Impala convertible. Because we're happy for our father's return, my older brother and I volunteered to go with my mother to get him. It's a wintry night as mother is driving, and sure enough, she cannot see the ice on the road ahead of her, and she loses control of the car, and the car spins to the side of the road, rolls over and into a ditch upside down. Did I tell you this was a Chevy Impala convertible? Bad things happen when convertibles end upside down. Except this night, except in this ditch, which is just the right size to cradle our Chevy Impala convertible. And because you're a five-year-old, and because you're now sitting on the inside of the roof, and because you can't figure out if there's any way for us to get out, and because you just don't know if there's anybody that's going to stop and help, you get really frightened. It's going to happen. It's going to happen, I say to myself. And the only thing I can remember after that are these arms. These arms that are reaching inside the car. These arms of this man that we didn't know where he came from, except we learned later that he was three cars behind us. This man reaching inside with his arms and grabbing hold of me under my arms and pulling me out, and he's holding me in his arms, and he's walking me through the snow and the ice to a business nearby, 
And I say to myself, what a nice man, what a nice man. On this cold and icy and wintry night, not knowing what he's going to find when he reaches his arms into that upturned car, what a kind man that got himself involved in the complications of another person's life. I'm not sure what to make of all that. Maybe, maybe back then I thought he was Jesus, sure felt like Jesus, sure felt like Jesus, like something Jesus would do. I don't know the man's name. I don't know his religious background. I don't know what we were keeping him from. But Paul says that it had to have been the spirit of Jesus that was in him to have caused him to stop and to take an interest and to take the risk. Think about those arms reaching and grabbing. And I can't think of any greater evidence of the of the presence of God. Not that I got rescued because Lord knows there are lots of those stories where people don't get rescued. Lots of those stories that don't have those kinds of endings. But the Spirit of God was in those arms. Inside that heart, inside that decision to pull off and do something. It's the only way for me to make sense of it. And it makes me wonder if there is something about all these stories that God would have me further ponder. And I wonder if one of those things for me to ponder is that what might be going through the mind of a five-year-old in the ditch or the beaten man in the ditch or the, or the blind, mute man in the restaurant or the, or the unwell man chained to the tombs. What might be going through their minds if the only thing that matters, the only thing that matters is not who you voted for, not what lousy cable channel you're watching, but that the only thing that matters to them is that someone gets caught in the spirit of kindness. And that in this hard and bitter world, the only thing that might make someone believe again, or maybe for the first time, is that something happens to them that they can't make any sense of. Something so deep, something so risky, something that looks like Jesus, someone who acts like Jesus. And you got to think that there are all sorts of those people in our lives every day, folks whose only need might just be for someone to be kind, someone to stop, someone to take interest, someone to get involved, someone who has fallen in love with kindness. It's complicated, it's uncertain, and it doesn't come naturally. It is a fruit only of the Spirit. And for every kindness-deprived soul in ditch or tomb, it's Jesus. Let's pray. Oh God, we want to fall in love with kindness. But we know life is complicated and we know we don't have a lot of time and we've got other things to do. So, Lord, help us to find the time it takes for us to go to the school of kindness and to allow our lives to be so changed 
that it would feel more natural for us to be kind. Amen.
Let's pray. Lord, we need your amazing grace because we so want to be kind. And we ask, O oh Lord, that we may dwell in your presence each and every day such that we would be aware of your kindness toward us and that we may be open to be the vessel of your kindness to others. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Amen.